0: Welcome back to the 12-Sided Guys. We have Matt playing Pine. Hi. Scott playing Joff. That's me. Jordan playing Ebby. Salutations. Sabrina playing Nari. Hey there. And me, Paul, playing Pokemon Go. Give me a second. Just got to catch this Wurmple.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: I, have I done Pokemon Go before? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay, I don't think so. <laughs> I yet. love
1: Pokemon Go. I I'm
0: tired of wormples. It
1: motivated a lot of walk, like walks.
0: It was
2: good. <laughs> when I was working in San Francisco, there were legitimate Pokemon Go stampedes where you'd see crowds of people going from one place to another. It oh, was great. Okay.
3: <laughs> for a while, every time I saw you, Sabrina, I would read download Pokemon Go. Oh,
1: that's right. Yeah. Scott was Scott was cool with Pokemon Go too for a minute. Yeah. No, it was a lot of fun.
0: Anyway, I caught that wormhole. Okay, let's move (laughs) on. (laughs) All right. Okay, so this is about the time I normally start talking about our Patreon content, but in all honesty, all I can think about right now is how insane that fight was with the two Ursine Bear Giants and the three Tusker Mini Mammoths. What a slugfest. Honestly, it could have gone either way, but I am very glad it went the way it did, and we have four heroes and their ally standing, not to mention a couple of alatons and my personal favorite, two Beekaboos, Bork Bork. If that fight had you on the edge of your seat with excitement, then I'm sure there's someone else you know who would feel the same way. So tell them about us. Spread the word. Your friends and family and random people on the street like excitement too. Anyway, if you were like me and got confused why you couldn't just use a phoenix down on Eris slash Erith, then this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex episode 41. We have more than just those things in our party right now. We also have a frozen corpse. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> Which reminds me, I gotta give that frozen corpse a name. I'm kidding. Corpsey. Cor- Corpsey the frozen corpse. Oh, God. <laughs> the Corpsey McCorpse a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Glass Mountains and Winter Home. Last time we were together, there was this epic battle between Nari and the boys and their ally Yastin against some ursine bear giants and their tusker kind of guard dogs it was a very close fight you guys managed to pull through and win and defeat everybody after finding a frozen body in the snow you guys loaded up this uh this heavily armored body onto the back of crumbles i believe and you started venturing further up north and west into the mountains to try to get to the Stormfist Summer Home, and that is where we left off. So, what I need to start with, we're going to do a survival check to see how well the going goes from here on out. So, I think last time we played, we talked about how because this is Stormfist Land, um, Nari, this is your uh, this is your home. So, we're going to have you go ahead and make the survival check. If everyone wants to help you. Um, then you can make it with advantage. But this will help us to determine how well this goes.
1: (laughs) You guys want to help me?
0: (laughs) Yes, Yes, please. (laughs) Yes, please. All right,
1: cool.
3: (laughs) What was that first roll?
1: Uh, So Nari rolled a nat one, but since everybody wants to help, uh, we got a 17.
3: Okay. Joff will offer his ancestral guidance, so you actually get to roll a D4 for that, too.
1: Oh, nice. Cool, so we'll add plus four to that, so 21.
3: Oh, that's a great roll then. Okay, perfect.
0: As you leave and start venturing into the forests and up into the kind of the foothills, heading up towards summer home, you manage to stay on the trail and travel. Everything seems to be going pretty well. Um, you guys can actually talk about anything you want to, but we're going to kind of fast forward the travel, I believe, because that role was pretty dang good. So one thing I neglected to do and I've been meaning to do is... Uh, Pine is always on the lookout for special rocks. Um, and so all the days of travel, <laughs> I mean, except for when we were, you know, lost in the mountain pass for eight days. I wanted to do a quick investigation check to see if I find any good rocks. Yeah, go for it. How many would that be? Uh, so we're trying to figure out days of travel. Mm hmm. Uh, I believe it was four, three, two. Yeah, so I think we're right now we're sitting at nine days out of the... Uh, Mountains. Okay. All right. So I'm going to roll. I'm going to do nine investigation checks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anything over a 15 and I found a good rock. I found one
3: good rock.
4: Oh, (laughs) 18.
0: (laughs) Uh, Oh, my gosh. Well, you also had you also had two days before you got into the mountains. If you want to do those ones on your way to last chance.
4: Yes, I do.
5: (laughs) Obviously.
0: Uh, Nope. So I just got the one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so how many perfect skipping rocks do you have at this point uh, at this point I have eight eight perfect skipping <laughs> rocks that's awesome now that I'm looking at my other possessions I also have noticed some things that I forgot we even had like prostate prostate ointment <laughs> 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 uh, we have I, I you know I have the, I still have that armor the bird helmet that we found like episode three or four uh, and then I have the crystal bomb detonator thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I forgot all about that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot more things in my other possessions, but those are just some things I forgot completely about. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I'm pretty sure that Ebby forgot that there's something that he has as well in his inventory. Any guesses what that might be, Jordan? Um... um... <laughs> I, are you saying gum
1: damn put on the spot <laughs> uh,
0: i think jordan wants some gum no
3: I could really
0: use some
2: gum right now guys i mean i feel like i still have adjudicator rolf's like jacket i think i think i've tried to give it away a number of times and i don't think we've ever done it yet you do have
0: that but you have something else a little bit bulkier my my half plate you have a
3: brass chamber pot. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say the crystal pizza shield.
1: That's what I thought, too. Yeah.
3: <laughs> no, I, I have the
0: crystal pizza shield. I have the crystal pizza shield in the haversack. Oh, OK. Yeah. I know you guys haven't forgotten about that one. That's right. I've got the chamber pot. I have yes. not added
2: that officially in my inventory. It's cuz I mean, it's home. on your head. You're wearing it. <laughs>
4: <laughs> we've all been using it this whole time.
1: <laughs> yeah, we've just been passing it around too much to really keep track.
4: <laughs> oh gosh.
2: Oh, that's fantastic.
0: Wait, a brass chamber pot up here in the in the <laughs> December, sorry, what oh, yeah. is it?
1: In your throne.
0: It's still Nintally. It's still um <laughs> Fantasy November. Oh, that's right. It's November. Yes. Ugh. <laughs> well, you guys um, are venturing up further and further into the foothills through forests. It's snowing on you guys constantly at this point. Yeah, it seems like winter is really right around the corner. Up here, it's it feels like it's been here uh, for weeks already. The going is slow, but not as slow as it could have been with a worse roll than a 21. Um, and so, with Nari's direction and everybody else's help, you guys manage to travel for Four days, through forests, up hills, and then up into this narrow valley that Nari uh, assures you ends at Summer Home. So, can we take a long rest then? You guys will have had a long rest. Yeah, this is four days, so you guys have had a long rest a couple of times. Awesome. Because some of us are still hurting from the Ursine fight. The Ursine fight is now a few days past, and you know what? With a with a roll of twenty one. If you want to, one of those nights of camping, Ebby, if you wanted to read your book, you could read the last little bit of the Crystal Codex. Oh, yes, sir. Let's do that. Okay, let's do that. I don't need you to roll because there's only a little bit left to glean. As you sit down one night for for your normal kind of perusing of the Crystal Codex and everybody else is kind of uh, winding down for the night, getting into their beds or chatting by the fire, You pull out this book and you start to read, and the first thing you read, Arnium he writes and describes things as if crystals are not inherently magic. Um, They have to be juiced up, which I think you guys have already kind of figured out. He speaks of how they naturally change color depending on an insane algorithm that uh, he laboriously describes. But it all boils down to this. Red, evocation. Orange, abjuration. Yellow, transmutation. Green, conjuration, light blue, divination, dark blue, illusion, purple, necromancy, and white, enchantment. As you read through this huge algorithm, this gigantic mathematical problem, it kind of boggles your mind a little bit, but you finally catch on to what he's trying to hint at. You hear Niamh's voice in your head, and it says crystals to bring the power of nature and the arcane to the common person, our savior or our executioner. It's kind of a question. It seems like he was kind of talking to himself. And as you continue to read, um, the last thing that you kind of glean as you're reading the Crystal Codex is that he offhandedly mentions earth tremors on several different occasions. And as you are reading along and you, you hear him mention it like for the third or fourth time, you hear Niamh's voice. It seems like it's a memory from the past. And he says, it seems to be getting worse. Bradenly was hit so hard a few days ago that 26 buildings collapsed and hundreds are dead or unaccounted for. Not to mention the fissure in Krith-Kadar. And then he fades away. And with those two kind of revelations from the Crystal Codex, uh, you close it up. You have read the entire thing. Hmm. Ebby will kind of sit and ponder for a moment
2: these things. I think I don't know that I've done this officially yet with the rest of the group. I don't know. At least I don't know that I've I've ex- like explicitly stated it. But I, I want to kind of relay some of this when there's a moment in our travels. You know, when I'm walking next to Pine and just kind of relay a little bit about what I've been gleaning and some of these flashbacks and memories that I've had over time. Um, just so that way I'm not the only one carrying kind of this knowledge, I guess. Okay.
4: So it would seem then, based on your experience with the book and with the memories, uh, conversations with Neum, it would seem that um, crystals didn't really exist as much as they do now back in their day. I wonder if you're correct about that. I don't know what event may have
2: caused their appearance, but I feel that there is some sort of connection an inextricable connection between the crystals and perhaps some of the events that we are seeing in relation to the angel of inevitability maybe (sighs) even these glass mountains maybe they're called the glass mountains because of the
0: crystals in them make a history check oh is that something i already knew (laughs) no just make a history check it's a 12 um you've heard rumors that there's like lots of ancient tech here and you know people splunkers and scavengers both will come here and try to get uh, get crystal there's lots of crystal like geodes and stuff um around here so that's definitely a possibility
3: ebby the way you describe this you're talking about memories of a, of the ancient past so do you have a different name other than ebby like is is neam in these memories calling you something
2: well not quite that i've been able to recall and to uh pull out of character for a moment there isn't a name, Paul. You haven't, like, given me a name yet, have you?
0: <laughs> I can't recall anything on that front. The last time that you guys talked about names, um, I believe that Neam said something about he's racked his mind and he cannot remember you. Got it. Okay.
2: Yeah, the last name I wrote down was Polkin, the caribou I was riding. <laughs> oh.
5: <laughs> Too soon,
0: <laughs> gone too soon. Never far from our hearts.
3: Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, poor Polkin. <Vulcan. laughs> so, in these memories, it, it, what does he? He doesn't refer to you. What does he refer to you as?
2: It's well. It's like I'm listening in on the conversation. Frankly, it's not. Or, or maybe it might be that he's speaking with me, or I'm standing next to him, or something of that nature. Sometimes it sounds like he's having a conversation with another
4: person and I'm just kind of eavesdropping almost. Maybe you were a scribe or a clerk. I know that um I know that back in my time in the military tiny Brimby my my valet he overheard a lot and he documented some of the conversations that I had even though he wasn't allowed to speak up during them. That might explain why you seem to be a passive listener in
2: those. It very well could be. I wonder if I was maybe a lab assistant or somebody like that
0: to, to Arnium. I don't want to mean to derail anything, but um, where is Yastin as these conversations are going on? Is this one of, are you guys having this conversation while he's off like ranging ahead or off getting food or something? Or is he in on these conversations? I trust Yastin. We've bled together.
2: Yeah, I, I would imagine after a few days we're a little bit more comfortable and... He's probably around.
1: He's also okay. kind of stuck up in the mountains with us because of the implications. We wouldn't do anything, but the implications. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, with the amount of travel we've been doing, we have we have spent more time with with Yostin than we did with each other when we started sharing a lot of very personal stuff back in the in and around Tabory. So I think yeah. with the amount of time we've spent together, we probably feel like we or at least very familiar with him and know him pretty well at this point, even if we don't necessarily out of character know a lot of his the details of his life. Well let me let me give you a little quick synopsis of yasin then we can get back to the conversation. He has been fairly quiet, fairly kind of, I think stoic was the word. Um, he was he's very kind of long suffering, um, as in like and very patient. Um, but he's not one to like not like laugh loud or anything like that. Um he is more than happy to um share stories and things like that but he is um he's definitely more of a um a quiet thoughtful person is he is he prone to strong drink is he a wine bibber <laughs> sorry the way you were describing it sounded very biblical in your descriptions of like the 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 bishop should be this the priest should be this oh gotcha no he's just he's just he's you can tell he's used to being by himself he's used to being very solitary so being around people he doesn't like Start conversations, he's more than happy to talk, but he doesn't really start things. He's perfectly content to ride along in silence for hours. So anyway, proceed with your conversation.
2: Now where were we?: You had mentioned me possibly being a scribe. We had discussed a little bit of that, at least from what I recall. And yes, I, I don't know. I don't know fully.: And do we have any idea what happened to um,
4: render your people inert? For so long. It seems like if if Niem succeeded, if he saved the world from inevitability, then why why is the Empire able to, to take your people and 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 where are they? Why are they
2: hidden? Why are they lost? I don't know where the rest of them are or, or why why we did what we did. There are still a lot of questions that are out there. I don't know if I've expressed it to you all yet either. Since we were in Arklvi and we were at the uh, Eberly Manor, that's it. When we were on the way out, I bumped into another one of the Ormex that was there in the, in the courtyard. And there was a brief moment where it kind of flashed to me that I felt like I could reach reach out to them, but not with my hands, and possibly wake them somehow. But there was an instability there. There was some energy, which I had the strong impression that there was a possibility that that energy would be unleashed catastrophically if I tried. It's not a guarantee that that would be the case, but there was a chance and it didn't seem like the right time for it. That is very interesting.
1: I'm also curious about how these these earthquakes tie into all of that as well.
4: Clearly that's connected. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, Neum mentioned Tremors. Was he just a big Kevin Bacon fan? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Who isn't, you know, if we're being oh, like, honest?
3: It really went downhill after the Graboids came out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you take that back. Jostin, <laughs> are there Graboids in these mountains?
0: He looks at you very confused. Um, Ebby, as you're explaining this to them about the time when you touched that other Deacon, that other Ormec, and you felt like, you felt like there was like a, a, a switch you could flip, um, with potential possible, with potentially dire consequences, as you're describing this, something about finishing the crystal codex and understanding a little bit more about, um, your past, about kind of what went into, uh, basically creating all honest, all honesty, the world as it is today um, and creating these uh, these Ormex, these Deacons, you suddenly feel like that chance of success to wake up a Deacon, suddenly you feel more sure of your ability to flip that switch. And in game terms, what that means is that if you touch a Deacon and decide to try to wake it up, you can roll that with advantage. Ooh, very cool still potentially dire (laughs) still potentially dire but um, a little bit better (laughs) everything's potentially dire do we know what kind of check it is have you said what kind of check it is yet paul i have um a whole written up um basically depending on how like levels of success that type of thing um and so i think i mentioned it already one time in the podcast um basically there's potential for um destroying the deacon that is a possibility there's potential for Ebby to take damage or to be hurt in some way. And then, of course, there's potential for everything to go exactly as planned. So it just kind of depends on Ebby's role. Fantastic.
4: <laughs> well, Ebby, if you do want to try this, which I would be, I would love to see it happen. I would love to see the beginning of the releasing of your people. I'll be right there with you. And mechanically, that would mean if it's a saving throw, then you'd get a plus three to it. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo!
0: Hey now! <laughs> <cheating> the system. <laughs> Let me go back and change around this algorithm now. Oh, is this a saving throw? Okay. Uh, well, I'll, okay, I'll just tell you this. It's a saving throw. Yes, it's a saving throw. And um, Abby, you have right now, you have a little thing floating around your head that's going to help you with that as well. Ooh.
3: Fantastic. Okay. I can't shake this thought, Abby, that you're like a time capsule. Thank Thank
2: you, I guess? I mean, I suppose you're right. I don't- uh, we definitely come from a different era, a different time. I wish I could just remember it more clearly, but, you know, at least I don't feel old. Do I look old?
3: (laughs) Well, you might have rust in a few spots, but you don't look too bad.
4: Well, the fact that you're covered in bone paintings makes you look ancient. (laughs) Big old pile of bones. <laughs>
1: but cool, ancient but cool.
0: Yeah, yes, yes. yes. Oh, you guys have not washed those bones off yet? Yeah, we never <laughs> washed
4: the bones off of Ebby. Well, I, b- I believe, Ebby, I believe you said that you were never going to wash them off ever.
0: <laughs> oh, that is a throwback to something that you did say, Ebby.
4: <laughs> oh, man.
0: So I'm just taking it that it's canon. They're still there. I mean, unless you specifically say you're washing them off, they are there. So bone apple tit is canon and uh, bone ebby <coughs> is now canon <laughs> Bone ebby. Oh, it's gonna stick
2: now. I will never wash <laughs> this body. Wait.
0: wait. <laughs> I want to know how Nari feels going up into the mountains, going home, and knowing that now after so many years and after a lot of confusion and some mystery about what's going on with your people, how does Nari feel going home?
1: Yeah, Nari's feeling more and more anxious with every step she's kind of replaying over and over in her head the time she told her family that she was no longer going to go um back to the mountains with them and that she was going to be staying down below uh in Arklavy. and then she keeps also replaying over and over in her head the elders um of the tall hearts telling her that Her family had not only secluded themselves, but they had even like been aggressive towards the people who had tried to help them out. So I think every step further is just making her more and more anxious.
0: And if Nari were to guess, would people be happy to see her or would people be unhappy? And like her family, would they be excited? Would they be kind of angry, standoffish?
1: Well, I think that's a little bit what she's, what she's worried about. Um, she didn't necessarily leave things great with them. They were obviously really upset that she left the clan and, and chose to make a life in the city. But at the same time, she didn't do anything wildly egregious. Um, so she hopes that they would, you know, have used this time to calm their anger and would accept her back.
0: Well, I think it's important to remember that, you know, the Stormfist, these, these, these clans up here in the mountains, they're not ignorant of the rest of the world. They know what's out there. They go to cities and trade. Like, that's not a big, like, mystery or anything like that. They choose to stay up here. And so, Nari choosing to leave is not something that's never been done before. It might be maybe frowned upon or maybe your family might not like the fact that you're not around anymore. But the people who stay up here, they stay up here because they choose. And I don't know if you guys remember this way back when at um, the Mayor Joyce's, uh, her, her vacation home, there was a tall, tall man built like, you know, built like a storm fist, a basically a half giant man who was working there wearing just normal clothes. You guys never actually interacted with him, but he was there. And, you know, more than likely he chose to come down out of the mountains and make a life down here or down in the lowlands as well okay well very good well nari or sabrina if nari is nervous about going back up to um visit her family and anxious well let's see how things go because after four days of travel nari you can feel you're kind of going up the mountains and um there's this there's this kind of valley that you're following going up and there's um steep cliffs and mountains on either side of you. And this valley keeps getting more and more narrow. You know that eventually this valley ends, it kind of rounds out um, and then it ends. And then there is a kind of a a circular area that is surrounded by these tall peaks and jagged cliffs. And that is where um, Summer Home is. And you can feel as you're going up this valley, there's like a, a, a stream that comes down that you've been following that you know will take you right to the city, or right to the town. And you feel as these cliffs of granite and rock are getting closer and closer to you, you feel every step, you're getting closer and closer to home. And you come around a bend and you see something that you, I guess you were expecting, but it's still kind of odd to see. As you come around a bend, as the valley narrows and narrows, you see the stream that comes out of this um, out of this valley, runs down through the forest. You see a couple of ruins of some old, like ancient buildings that have always been there. But then you see just past those, you see a, a wall. It is a wall, not like a castle wall like you've seen down in the lowlands. This is like stacked stone, but it is very high. It is probably 30 feet high. And it's not um, you know, necessarily well built. Like if you wanted to, you could probably scale it Relatively quickly, but it is definitely formidable. and you see um, along the wall, you see um, rising above it on the other side of the wall, you see these wooden watchtowers and you see that there are figures standing in the towers. At this point, it's probably around four o'clock, five o'clock at night, the sun is starting to go down, um, so it's starting to get dark. it's kind of twilight um, or dusk at this point, and you uh, you are approaching summer home. You see this wall, and you see these ruins. What are you guys going to do? Well, first, a point of, point of order. Do they have daylight savings time here?
5: Yeah, how dark <laughs> is it if it's how about it? How
0: <laughs> so, da- so right now, we went back to standard time, correct? So five o'clock here where I live is dark. Yeah. So it's starting to get... I mean, like the sun is going down, and it's getting dark fast.
1: Well, I think we... As much as this wall makes me incredibly uncomfortable, I think we should probably go up to the towers and introduce herself and try and get in for the night.
4: I think we should dismount. I know that when we were at war and, they were, and we were receiving couriers or, or envoys that of unknown origin, they would always dismount. They would always clearly display that they were unarmed and they would, um, they would approach in a, in a position of, of deference to our camp.
1: Nothing scarier than a man mounted on a peekaboo. That's, that's all I got to
3: say. <laughs> bork, Bork. I do feel pretty intimidating on this creature.
0: Yeah, so Pine will dismount and kind of approach kind of as much as he can with his kind of hands up and, and obviously empty. Sure. Yostin says, uh, I'll bring up the rear. I've, I've already been shot at up here once, and I don't, I don't want to be shot at again.
1: Uh, Nari will definitely go up with Pine and will um, also dismount and kind of walk up, straight up with him. Straight up, confidently. She's faking it till she makes it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> what are Joff and Ebby doing? Joff will dismount, but he'll hang back with Yostin. Okay. Yeah, kind of a similar thing with Ebby. You know, he'll kind of pull
2: his wrappings up a little bit tighter so that way he covers himself a little bit more fully and then hang
0: back with Joff and Yastin as well. All right. As Nari and Pine approach the wall, are you guys, do you have any torches or anything? Are you lit at all? Dude, I'm super lit.
1: (laughs) He has a titty over here.
0: (laughs) I'll have my red candle out. All right. So
1: yeah, no, I'll let I'll let Paul, um, the the red candle shine and and let Pine have his moment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> the area is bathed in a in a red glow, um, and as you approach um, the wall, you hear call down from one of the towers in Ustranian. So Pine, you don't understand this, but Nara, you do. You hear a voice say, Hold Turn back!"
1: Hey, uh do I rec- well do I recognize the voice at all? Can I see the person?
0: um it's you're still relatively far away, um probably about fifty feet or so, and it's and they're up in the tower up above. Um, so they're probably at this point they're probably like forty feet in the air and then like fifty feet back.
1: Okay, um I will I'll kind of call out and be like, hey, um it's it's me, nari stormfist i've I've come to find my family, and these are my friends, and I'll kind of gesture at everyone.
0: You hear a voice shout back. It says, I told you to turn around. And then you hear another voice say, wait, wait, wait. Did you say Nari? Yeah, Nari Stormfist. You don't really hear anything um, for a little bit. You're just kind of standing there. If you make a uh, make a perception check, though, Pine and Nari. Pine, Yeah, Pine doesn't understand anything that's going on. So just the fact that there's conversation and we haven't been shot at. He's just smiling like things are going well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> nari no, hurled a 13 oh inside a pond. yeah i
0: got a 13 as well oh, okay Yeah, <laughs> you guys can't you, you you assume there's some conversation going on but you can't hear anything and you guys actually, actually you can't see anything either um but there were definitely two voices and it sounded like they were both coming from the same tower after a while you hear the second voice say nari stormfist come forward alone
1: I'll walk forward, and
0: as soon as Nari starts moving forward, Pine will accompany her.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nari will uh, Nari will kind of put her hand on Pine's shoulder and just say, "Like, give, let me go alone first, and we'll see what they need."
0: That makes sense. Okay, you walk forward all by yourself, and then you hear a voice call down, and it says, let yourself up so we can see you."
5: Uh, Nari will cast
1: her light magic spell um and kind of shine it like right right up above where they are so she can kind of see them as well but sort of illuminating the whole area
0: okay as you do that you, you do see you see two figures in the uh, tower they both have bows and they both both bows actually do have arrows knocked um not pointed at you but knocked and they are squinting down at you and one of them says by Lady Belra. Nari, stay there. And then you see one of the figures get down out of the tower and go down behind the wall.
1: I'm going to gesture to everybody to kind of come up come up with me.
4: All right, Pinewold, yeah, will now can move up and he'll be like, It's going so well.
1: <laughs> I'm not quite sure that's the case, but uh, they at least recognize me, so I guess that's a good place to start.
0: After a few minutes, um, the figure climbs back up into the tower and then helps somebody else up into the tower, who then peers down at you. And Nari, as you look up at the tower, you recognize your dad standing up there in the tower, looking down at you. And he
5: says, Nari, you're back.
1: I am back, father. It's strange to see you here. but good nonetheless i'm i'm happy to see your face
0: he uh turns to the uh the two people up in the tower and he says
4: get the wrap down get the wrap down i i must see my daughter
0: and then they climb down out of the tower and then they start walking along the top of this this piled up stone wall and there is kind of this wooden Platform bridge type thing that they kind of swing out. It's on some kind of a pulley system that they've worked and rigged up, and it's like a kind of like a crane pulley. It swings out over um, the side that you're on, and then it slowly lowers down and creates a a rickety, um, shoddily built ramp. But um, it looks sturdy enough to to go up. As soon as it hits the ground, Nari, your father, comes running down the ramp and before you can do anything he grabs you in a very big very strong very heartfelt hug
5: ah i will I'll, I'll hug him back is nari uh, i i thought you were gone to us
1: well i kind of was worried the same about you what is this what is this monstrosity that you've built and all kind of gesture towards the wall
0: uh, he says he looks back at it and he says, Oh, there's
4: there's time for that. There's time for that. Now now you're home.
0: Come, come with me. And then he looks at the rest of you and he says, You, your friends as well. Come in. And then he looks at the he looks at Yastin and he kind of squints his eyes a little bit. Then he looks at you, Nari.
1: Yostin has been our guide and very helpful throughout these last few days. Um I've heard you've had some issues with his tribes, but I hope that won't be a problem here.
0: He looks back at Yostin a little bit and he says. No,
5: no, I guess it's fine. I guess it will be okay.
4: Come. Come into summer home. As as they start walking up the ramp, Pine will say, see that that big older man gave Naori a hug. Things are going so well.
3: (laughs) Mr. Pine, that's her father. Oh,
2: I get such hard Futurama vibes from that. (laughs) Good news, everybody. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Now, you know, the secret of my, my voice is just a a terrible impression of Professor Farnsworth with a slight British accent in there. I love it. (laughs) That's awesome. Honestly, knowing that that is—I mean, assuming—and now knowing that that is Nari's father, Pine will, Pine will be quiet, and Pine will, Pinefield, Pine, Pine
3: is happy to see this reunion. Jeff will also whisper. They were pretty reluctant to let us in.
2: Oh, I couldn't tell. E- <laughs> Abby's inability to read social cues has him just kind of like, no, oh, this is nice." <laughs>
0: um as you lead your mounts up this ramp it takes you to the top of this wall and as you guys approach the top of the wall you can now look down into uh into summer home and you can see this edge this end of the valley it kind of rounds out it's kind of this bowl where um where summer home is built you see these um, houses covered in thatch roofs snow on top of them you see snow inside on the on the ground um you see a couple of different like little fields and plots that have been dug up by now you see little fences and stuff you see animals being being kept in pens um and you see um kind of hustle and bustle is the wrong word but you see people moving around dressed in furs very tightly you know like covered in head to toe in furs to try to keep warm as you all are standing on the top of the wall they then uh kind of turn a crank and raise that ramp back up and they swing it around and they drop it down on the other side for you guys to actually go into the, um, the town of Summerhome. And as the ramp drops down, um, Nari, your father, whose name is Dorgar, says, Come, Nari. Your mother will wish to see you. And he starts heading down the ramp.
1: But yes, of course. And I'm excited to see her as well. And and my brothers are are they here too?
0: Make a uh, perception check, or make an insight check. Insight, sorry.
1: Uh, I rolled a twelve.
0: A twelve, he says. Um, not currently. They're both indisposed, but we can talk about that later. Let's let's go see your mother. And he leads you down the ramp. Um, As you um, look in at the city of, or the city, the town of Summerhome, um, what happens here in the valley, you have a little stream from the west and a little stream from the east and they come together and they join forces and that uh, stream then leaves Summerhome. It kind of goes underneath the wall and that is the stream that you've been following. So there's actually some fresh water coming in out of the mountains right here for the Stormfist clan to use. And um, there's little wooden bridges that cross the streams in different places. Um, But you see, for the most part, the houses are single story, uh, made out of stone, thatch roofs. Um, A couple of them are larger, um, think like Viking long haul type things. And um, you can see that in kind of the center of the town, there is a very tall tower, which Nari, you would know that is kind of the quote unquote castle um, that's the the center of the uh government for the stormfist clan that's they call it the leader's tower and then you can also see that there's like a longer um hall just a little bit to the east of that and nara you know that's like where um they call it the hall of gods and that's kind of where the religious center of uh, the stormfist clan is and there's some other houses and things in here of course and then um you see at the back of the valley um, up on the north edge, you can see there's kind of this um, natural ramp, this natural causeway that goes right up to the edge of a cliff. And in that cliff, you see a cave. And Nari, when you see that cave, you remember specifically seeing that cave in your vision way back weeks ago when you had that that vision of your people. Um, it looks... Well, why don't you make a, uh, another insight check real quick?
1: All right. I did better that time. 17.
0: Okay. As you are looking at this cave, it looks bigger. It looks not dramatically bigger, but it looks like it's more open than it was. Um, and as you're looking there, you also notice that it is, um, there is uh, like a wooden um, gate that has been built across it to keep it closed.
1: Are people kind of coming and going or does it look pretty deserted?
0: So as you are looking at the cave, you see there is a gate across it and you see that there are two people standing on either side. They are both armed. This is at a distance. So you don't recognize who the people are, but you see that it looks like it's definitely guarded. Gotcha. Okay. Um, As you follow your dad down into, um, into this, this town of summer home, he takes you across one of these little bridges and into kind of the the biggest part of Summer Home. If it's kind of split into pieces by these streams, the largest part is the north part. And he starts walking uh, along some well-worn uh, paths in the snow. As you guys were looking at this, you realize there's too much snow here for these paths to have stayed here naturally. Somebody must be um, clearing them, either you know a lot of work with a shovel or maybe some kind of magical means of melting the snow into paths. But he takes you along this path. Uh, It goes right by the uh, kind of the leader's tower towards a house that is up against one of these cliffs up here, kind of on the northeastern side of the town. And Nari, this is your home. And as you approach the house.
1: Is this is this like my home? Like we came back to the same house every year?
0: Yes. Okay. cool. This is your home that you come back to every year. Uh, Dorgar, your father, he walks up to the front door and he says, uh, stay here for a second. I, I better prepare her. And then he walks in as you guys are standing out there waiting for Dorgar. Is there anything anybody wants to do?
1: You guys might want to be on guard. I'm, I'm not quite sure what to expect here. Things don't feel right.
4: Well, that's your father. He seemed happy to see you.
1: Yeah, and I don't expect trouble from him specifically, but the whole town seems off.
3: Those men at that cave, do you think they're keeping people out or keeping something in?
1: I'm honestly not sure. It's a new feature on the landscape. We we hadn't been mining, at least here specifically, um, in Summerhome
4: ever. Well, this the path up to the to the cave is that new as well
0: no that was always there
3: okay and i guess maybe equally as important i had no idea you had brothers nari
1: oh yeah no i i have an older brother and a a younger brother it would be nice to see them uh father was kind of evasive with that though so hopefully they're okay
4: joff asks if they're
0: single <laughs> <laughs> well so nara you have two brothers i don't know how much you want to go into this or uh but you have two brothers you have an older brother named i think it's T- Does that sound right yep yep and then how do you say your younger brother's name
1: tizar and T- Chris, yeah
0: okay Tichris, the older brother and uh tizar the younger brother joff your passive perception is what uh, i believe it's 17 what's everyone's passive perceptions ebi has got a 15. Pine has a 13. 18. 18, okay. Joff and Nari, as you are standing here, just kind of waiting for uh, Dorgar to come back out, you see that um, kind of above the door of the house, there is like sort of this wreath, this kind of a, it's like a wreath and a garland kind of thing. Not Christmassy, but um, there's some kind of like a decoration that you don't recognize being there normally but it's it's kind of a a symbol of of celebration and it's above the door of your parents house joff you clock it nari you would recognize that um it seems like your parents may have been celebrating something
1: interesting okay so it's not something that would be like seasonal it's like specifically for a celebration
0: yes exactly exactly it's not like oh hey it's christmas time let's put up the garland no it's like it's like something Something happened, like maybe a wedding or maybe you know a, a funeral. Gotcha. It's you like know. coming home and finding a pinata in your backyard yes, <laughs> basically as exactly happens. yes, um <laughs> that's a very good way of putting it. It's out of place uh, something happened. you don't know what it is um and after a few minutes, um nari, your father, Dorgar, comes back out and he pulls the door shut behind him where's mother he says she. She needs some more time.
5: She needs some more time, but give her time nari
0: it's it's been hard
1: what's what's going on what I see it looks like you're celebrating something, but we have these barriers up. you're shooting at the tall hearts. like what what on earth is happening here?
0: We're not shooting at the tall hearts. we're shooting at trespassers we're shooting at people. Who do not turn around when we tell them to. It does not matter that they're tall hearts.
1: Okay, well, that was really evasive. My point was what's going on up here? Not shooting at tall hearts.
0: Nari, a lot has happened since you left us for the Lowlands, and some weren't happy that you left, but I mean, we understand this life is not for everybody. But after you left
5: a couple of years, Things changed up here. We
0: may have had some premonitions, some revelations. And Nara, you would know that Maeve is the name of the, the old uh, tattoo artist who gave you some of your tattoos, um, including the band around your arm that is now broken. And he says, Maeve made some premonitions and some, some prophecies, and this is the way it needs to be. And he looks over at the wall and he says, this is not the way I want it to be. But this is the way it needs to be, at least for now.
1: Okay. I, I mean, I appreciate that. Thank you, for, thank you for sharing that. Would you also want to share what's going on in that cave up there? I'll kind of point up to the, to the two guards who are kind of guarding it.
0: He says, that is a Stormfist issue. And he puts his hand on your shoulder and he says, Nari, if I had my way, I would tell you, but we need to make sure that you are still a Stormfist. And you get the impression, he's not saying like, are you not really who you say you are? More like, have you been tainted by the lowlands?
1: Rude. <laughs> and what of what have Tikris and Tazar, where, where are they?
0: Everybody can make a quick perception check. Pine rolled a 10. He just sees everything is going
3: so well. <laughs> you don't understand anything that's being said.
1: Nari got a nat 20 for 28.
3: Nice. Joff got a 21. Abby got a 7. <laughs> Perfect. Staring at the ground again.
0: <laughs> You're picking fleas or something out of, uh, of Tuxie's feathers. Wait,
4: Abby, did you find any good skipping rocks? <laughs> As a matter of fact, I did.
2: It's totally a garbage skipping rock, by the way.
0: <laughs> Joff, with your 21 and Nari with your twenty, uh, with your 28, you both see him glance quickly towards the cave at the north end of the valley. And Nari with your 28, you see him also um, kind of avert his eyes and then look to the east before he speaks. And he says, Nari, these are Stormfist problems. We need to determine whether you're still a Stormfist. And the only one who can make that determination is Savar. And Nara, you know Savar is the kind of the, the leader of the Stormfist clan. Um, she's a very strong, very blunt woman who has led the clan for a long
3: time.
1: Well, it's good to it's good to know someone saying is still in charge. Um, I would be super happy to chat with her
0: come we'll we'll speak with her now and he takes you um for everybody who's following to the leader's tower this large structure um that's not too far actually from nari's
3: parents house really quick as as they're talking and we start walking joff wants to look at the tattoos of her father to see if there's anything strange happening with them as happened to naris
0: he's very bundled up so you see a couple of tattoos like around his neck and a couple like on the side of his face but um they look like normal tattoos like there's no like spider web fracture or anything like that in any of the tattoos that you can see okay but you don't see very much of his skin it is very frigid up here
3: I'm still in my sleeveless sweater vest. <laughs> <laughs> well technically you're in leather armor that can you can make look like it. Oh yeah. But it's it looks like a sleeveless sweater vest. <laughs> As we approach the big the big tower, Pine will say,
4: Is that the dining hall? Are we gonna have dinner finally?
1: I mean, it would be nice if they fed us, um, but I I think we should hold off on that and first talk to Savar. She's She's sort of the, the clan leader, well, not sort of, she is the clan leader, and she's very wise. I'm sure she'll clear up what's going on for us.
4: Oh, great. Okay. Well, I have no idea what's going on, but it all seems to be going very well. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Awesome. As you guys
0: uh, go into this tower, um, at one, as you go in one by one, a, a guard standing at the front of the tower, he puts his hand on Yasin's chest
4: and says, Not you. Should we be worried for Yostin? Yeah,
1: he's with us. I'll kind of speak up and and say he's, he's with us.
0: The guy who put his hand on Yostin's chest says, no harm will come to him as long as he doesn't try anything stupid. But we know he's a tall heart. He looks over at you and he says, we still have to determine whether you're still a storm
3: fist.
1: Okay, well, as long as nothing bad happens to him.
3: Joff will put a hand on Yastin's shoulder and say, this is my friend Squire. If you need anything, tell him to come relay a message to me. And I will connect him with me through Squire so that he can communicate with me for, let me roll a d8, four hours. Okay. Um, He
0: he looks at you um, kind of confused, but he, he nods. And yastin is left outside of the tower as you guys all go in to meet meet savar, so you go into this tower this uh the the uh the ground floor of this tower is a stone floor um it's got wooden walls, it has windows all along um multiple sides, and in the center there is kind of this um a bowl kind of a a pit it just kind of it kind of uh slopes down in the center towards this kind of uh Uh, depression in the center of the room. And there is kind of a big fire pit in there. There's benches pulled around it. And you see that there are people sitting around it, eating and talking. And as you walk in, Nari, you see Savar. She is sitting in a chair, uh, kind of at the far end of the fire. Um, And as you walk in, your father, Dorgar, he stops you while he holds up his hand and he says, Stormfists, I present to you, Nari. Then he turns around and shows, and. Uh, motions to you, Nari.
1: Nari will just sort of step up and kind of like uh do a half little bow, nodding her head, and then kind of present herself to Savar.
0: Savar stands up and she looks over at you, Nari. You've had some run-ins with her. I mean, it's not a large, you know, uh settlement. And so you've had run-ins with pretty much everybody, and she eyes you up and down, and she says, Nari, come back to our mountain. You think you're still a Stormfist?
1: I hope so. I'm not, I'm not fully sure what I am, um, but I'm here to help, and it seems like y'all could use some help.
0: As you are talking, she is stomping over towards you, and as you say that last line about help, she looks you in the eye. And she's... Like, appraising you like she's looking at a horse for sale. She says, give me a second. Sorry.
1: The suspense is building. (laughs) Sorry.
0: My mouth got real dry. I'm imagining her, like, (laughs) holding open your mouth and looking at your teeth.
1: (laughs) I know. I'm like, I'm like really nervous. Like I'm going to get yelled at. I don't want to be in trouble.
0: Walking around, slapping you on the rump. Yeah. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Checking under (laughs) your fingernails.
0: Exactly. Lifting up your, lifting up your foot to check the bottom of your boot. Yeah. She actually, she kind of walks around you with her arms folded, kind of looking you up and down. Um, She even reaches out at one point and kind of touches the handle of your axe, um, your new axe. And um, she... Um
5: she comes back around to face you and she says Nari much
0: shinier than you were when you left She's looking at your shiny mithril chainmail She says the lowlands have rubbed off on you haven't they
1: I mean I won't lie I've learned much down there but I think that my roots grow strong
0: We shall see And then she calls out she says Gunther bring me Maeve and then Savar goes back to sit in her chair and then when she sits down she just keeps watching you and Dorgar your father leans over to you Nari and he says just stay here Maeve will have the right of it people are now sitting around this fire watching you as they are Um, pretty much all activity has stopped um, as you are standing here in the tower, you look around the room, you see these people sitting on benches and chairs, eating, talking, every, all that has stopped. Now they're all watching you. But as you look at the walls, you see more signs of celebration, more garland and wreaths and kind of some, some of these flowers that bloom only in the, in the fall, um, have been like woven into these, uh, these wreaths and into these, uh, these kind of swag decorations. Um, So it seems like there's some kind of a celebration that happened in here as well.
3: Nari, what what do those mean? All of those garlands and the reeds.
1: It's just a a common form of decoration. um, But clearly something, something happened that caused everyone to celebrate recently. To the best of my knowledge, no festivals or special days or holidays are anytime near.
4: Well, they look way too nice to be from Gadav's March.
1: Certainly not. Uh, we don't uh we don't celebrate that quite so openly up here.
4: Oh! So no trick-or-treating
3: <laughs> It's more of an
1: individual uh uh celebration.
3: Yeah, they do the trunk or treat instead. <laughs>
1: right, yeah. Uh uh Jesus weed. <laughs> <God>. <laughs>
3: All right. As you guys
0: are standing there having this slightly blasphemous conversation, the door opens, and then some of these like uh, hanging uh, furs are kind of pulled aside that kind of keep the the cold air out of this main tower. And in walks a very old, um, very hunched over figure. She is hunched over to the point where she is probably only about six feet tall at this point, which for a storm fist is is quite short. Um, and she has this um, this man. Uh, walking next to her now, Nari, you would recognize these two people right away. You would recognize that the um, the old woman who is hunched over her name is Maeve, and she is the one who does kind of the divination through tattooing that is so common here in the Stormfist Clan. And the person walking next to her is a man named Garum, and Garum is unique in the Stormfist tribe now nari you would know this already but i'll kind of explain it to other people garum is her living what's the word i look for he's her living um uh canvas and so when she receives kind of the urge to have a divination or a prophecy she tattoos it onto garum and so this man walking next to her is tattooed every inch of skin that you can see so like his, the back of his hands, the palms of his hands, his face covered with tattoos. And you know that um, he often accompanies her. He does have like a normal life as well. But when she needs to make a, uh, make a divination, she will um, have him come and she will divine through the art of tattooing on Garam, her living canvas. They come walking into this tower. And Maeve comes walking right up to you, Nari. And you have met her before because she gave you some of your tattoos. She walks right up to you and she looks up in your eyes and you can see wrinkled skin and white hair and, um, and just kind of, uh, you know, a little bit of some of the, just the wrinkles around the mouth. You can tell she's missing teeth. Just a very, uh, an ancient old woman and she reaches up and she touches your chin and she looks you in the eye do you want to say anything to maeve
1: actually uh no i think i think nari's kind of going to keep silent and let the, somebody else uh make the first move
0: everybody else in this room it is deathly quiet everyone is watching this interaction maeve is looking up at you in your eyes and nari after about 30 seconds.
5: She gives you a little wink. And then she lets go of your chin and says, We have a storm fist back with
0: us. And then everyone cheers.
1: Nice. Nari's going to break into a smile and kind of turn to the crowd and kind of like raise up her, her arms like victory style. Hey.
4: I told you everything seemed like it was going really well. When you turn around and
0: raise your arms up, your father grabs you around the waist and lifts you up off the ground and squeezes you so tight. And he says, I knew you were still a storm fist. I knew it. And then he, he puts you back down.
1: All right. Home
0: skillet. Sus. It's still sus. Is that what you said?
1: I said, yeah, it's still sus. I don't, I don't know. I I kind of honestly like to turn my attention back to Maeve. I'm a little bit more concerned as to if she has any sort of information for me.
0: She, uh she, she pats you and she says, what is it child what bothers you
1: If one were to have a a disruptant in their body modification and art uh, have have you heard of these kinds of things happening
0: She looks confused She says I
4: I don't think I understand
5: You mean like a scar
0: across one of your one of your tattoos
1: Kind of sensing that she doesn't get it, I will say yes, yeah, um yes it, it will will the tattoo heal back over that uh will the color kind of come back over that scar?
0: She says it's an omen i I would need to read it and see
1: okay well we'll we'll have to do that sometime, but uh thanks for thanks for declaring me part of my family. I, I appreciate that. And I'll kind of try to mosey on away from her,
0: <laughs> yeah. as she's walking, you hear her 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 faint elderly voice call out and says, "You'll always be a stormfist."
4: I knew it before before I looked in your eyes,
0: so you are now in this tower. Everybody is here. There's The drinking has re- has reconvened. People are eating. Dorgar is beaming from ear to ear. And what are you guys going to do? You are now here in Summer Home. It appears that you are welcome in Summer Home. And that's where we're at. Does this mean that uh, Yostin can join us? Who are you asking that to? Because nobody understands what you're saying except for uh, your group. I was asking my group, yeah.
1: Nari will definitely go to the doorman and, you know, request that Yostin be brought in. And given, like... The nicest meal uh, as recompense for being left out in the cold.:
3: The most burnt meat. <laughs> <laughs> Make a perception or a, a persuasion check.:
1: Hey, I'm not very good at that, but I got a, an 18.
0: <laughs> that's amazing. You see the guy at the door who's kind of standing there with Yastin. Yastin is kind of uh, he's kind of doing like a, like a squat down thing, he's kind of uh, huddling up against the against the cold. The guy at the door kind of glances back in and looks at Savar. Um, sitting on her chair, who gives a very slight nod. The guard steps aside and says, "All right, Tallhart, don't do anything stupid." And then Yastin is allowed in, and he comes to join you. And when he, as he's walking in to you, Nar, he says, "Thank you so much. It was. I was beginning to think maybe I made a mistake coming here."
1: Well, don't be too sure that you haven't, but. Um eat some food and and enjoy yourself while you can for sure
0: all right as you sit down and start uh you know grabbing some food off of like some platters and things um and start eating dorgar your dad is sitting there next to you and he says so nari tell me what what's been going on with you what what's what's your life been like in the lowlands and what has brought you back to see us
1: yeah so i I don't think Nari is actually eating um she's sitting there, but she is clearly really uncomfortable, but she'll kind of politely turn to her father and say i well i've I've been doing a bit of traveling and um you know making my way here and there as as one does you You think that now that I'm a storm fist we could we could see Mother again.
0: He kind of loses a little bit of his happiness and he says. <sighs> In time. In time.
1: It, it concerns me that, is she, is she unwell?
5: Mm, no. She's, she's angry. Oh.
0: He reaches over and kind of pats your hand and he says, she'll come around. She'll come around. We were, we were all a little angry, but we all came around.
1: And, and do I believe him? Like, like, do I believe that that's kind of what it is?
0: Make an insight check.
1: 13.
0: You have no reason to doubt him.
1: Okay. Okay. I'll kind of smile and say, that, 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 that's fair. She, she has reason to be angry, and I'll, I'll kind of turn in and start eating and kind of getting into the meal.
3: Joff will ask, clear his throat, and say, S- sorry to pipe in, but is sh- what are you guys celebrating? He looks over at the walls at all the different decorations, and you see his smile come back,
0: if possible, even bigger. And he says, we've had a prophecy come true. We've had a hero rise up among us. And that hero is my own son.
5: Wow. How did he become a hero? Well, he
0: fulfilled the prophecy. And and he kind of, he kind of like shakes his head a little bit. And, and he's like, and it's not the, it's not even the son I would have expected. I mean, I love my children, but I mean, Tichrist, he's strong and
4: a leader and, and great warrior but no it was tazar tazar is the hero of
0: prophecy who would have thought and uh, you can see people around as as your father is talking as dorgar is talking you see people like hear him say tazar and they like raise up their their like their mugs and stuff and like yeah tazar tazar and they start uh, taking drinks
3: to tazar joff will lean over Tanari and whisper they're celebrating your brother. Why isn't your mother here? Do you say that loud enough for other people to hear? No, that was just between us. Okay. In uh, Almerian. Oh, okay.
1: I will respond in Almerian as well and say, I mean, it seems like the celebration has gone on for a while. Tazar isn't here either, so the whole thing is is off. I feel like we can't go to bed without understanding what the hell's going on with Tazar. Like I, I can't I can't go to bed not knowing why my brother's a hero.
0: Hein's looking for whiskey. Are you walking around looking for whiskey?
1: Shouldn't be too hard to find here.
0: <laughs> just just walking around looking for something strong. Because he's cold and he's been traveling. Fine, we'll get back to you in just a second. You ask your father Dorgar about why Tazar is a hero?
1: Yeah, no, I will after kind of everybody toasts him, I'll kind of turn over and ask and say what's what did Tazar do? What's what's his legacy?
0: He says he fulfilled the prophecy by breaking his band. Oh, sorry, you weren't you weren't here. No, there was a there's a prophecy. Maeve can explain it better. It's on it's on Garam's shoulder. But um yes, a prophecy of what to do about the cave and uh, the prophecy indicated that somebody, a stone fist needed to break a band and who would have thought it would have been it would have been Tazar
1: What's in the cave? What does does this have to do with the cave at all?
0: Another prophecy This is getting uh, beyond me You'll have to speak to Maeve or Savar about that I'm not sure I haven't been in the cave myself but um, treasures, glory that kind of thing Hine, you are walking around in this tower looking for something to drink. As you kind of go uh, from kind of one end to the other, you um, are looking around and you see in the corner something catches your eye. A glint of metal, brassy, maybe copper. As you kind of look over, you see that there is something sticking out from underneath, like cloth and fur. Um, in the corner. Not like it's like hidden, but just kind of like it's been piled up over there. And Hein, you see
5: the arm of a deacon sticking out from
0: underneath a fur in the corner. Ooh! As you kind of walk over, interest kind of, your, your interest is peaked. you pull it back a little bit, and there you see a beat-up decrepit but intact Deacon up here in the leader's tower of summer home. And that's where we're going to stop for tonight.
4: Hey, Abby, I have a Deacon for you to touch. <laughs> oh, I love touching things. Brian.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. We got to awesome. figure out what's in that cave guys.
0: All right. Well, there's a cave, there's uh, two missing brothers, there's a deacon up here, and there's um, an old lady who does tattoos. What else do you need? My goodness. Got a right proper party going on. I didn't find the whiskey, though. (laughs) No, you did not find the whiskey. All right. Well, hey, thanks, everybody, for playing and thanks, everyone, for listening. Hopefully this was a a fun, exciting uh, episode full of some intrigue and some mystery, trying to figure out what's going on up here in Summerhome with the Stormfist clan. Um, If you like what you hear, tell a family member, tell friends, tell everybody you know. Tell your dentist. Tell tell your dentist. Everybody. Tell your podiatrist. Play it out loud while you're sitting on the subway.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tell your chiropractor
0: tell your gynecologist no don't tell your chiropractor there's only one chiropractor you should be talking to and that's me
3: anyway (laughs) yeah drive across the country and you can only work with paul that's right that's right my back really hurts from driving across the country
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh awesome okay you guys well hey we're gonna close it up for tonight tell a fan tell a family member tell a friend and until next time have a great time